time frame, like I said on the uh, announce or the uh, phone invite, is two to two to six. We have four hour window, but we're allowed to arrive an hour before, so you can actually be there at one o'clock and start setting up. And uh, it's going to be. We had a great time last year. Amen. Please open your uh, Bible to Matthew, Mark chapter four. And last week. The subject matter and the theme, if I could say, for last week, this week, and it will continue in the next week, is the importance of hearing. How we hear. It's not just what we hear, it's how we hear it. Amen? So, we're going to pick up on that. And... I want your faith to be activated in a way that, you know, what, I, what, am I, what I'm about to hear has the power and the potential to change my life forever. See, I believe that what we're about to hear has the power and the potential to change the course of my life forever. Hallelujah. I've been born again for 44 years. But I realize the more I learn and the more I know, I realize the more I don't know. You know, it's like God gives you a little portion of information and he gives you his bread every day. But he is so vast and so amazing. You know, he never said light stop. He said light be and light still unfolding. New galaxies they're finding out there. And the Hebrew says that the worlds, the cosmos were framed out by the word of his power and they're still being framed out. And that God that creates and still is creating. How many like the beauty of a flower that's in full bloom? I mean, just being honest, I mean, Somebody, everybody in here has a favorite flower. Guys, you have a favorite flower, and don't be mealy about it. Amen. There's a favorite flower. But, man, when it's in full bloom, I love these uh, hibiscus, I guess it is, plants Carol has out back, and they particularly have that red flower, and you get the hummingbirds coming to feast on it. How cool is a hummingbird? Amen? I mean, you know... <laughs> Those wings are cooking, you know, divine design. <laughs> and to watch them marvelously feed on the nectar and everything else, and what they bring to the table has a purpose for that flower. The flower feeds them, and they actually pollinate it. Amen? Life is just amazing. But I want to start off this way this morning with a question. A few questions we need to ask ourselves is, by choice, I hope, <laughs> today you're here. <laughs> Not by your elbow being twisted, amen, your arm being twisted, that you've assembled because, if nothing else, you know it's right. Because the Word says it. Jesus, the Word made flesh, and the Holy Spirit who inspired the New Testament writers, they writ the heart of the Father through the Holy Spirit. And, and especially in the book of Hebrews, do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together 
Amen. As is the habit of some, but all the more as the day approaches. So there's an absolute importance and urgency to, a, to assemble together. I, I don't even like to say to go to church because we don't go to church. If you're born again, you is the church. So the church meets at locations to give glory to God, to be equipped. Amen? So I don't go to church anymore. Hallelujah. I'm just one of the church cells coming to assemble and to enjoy the presence of our Father and to be equipped. So the question is this. Who am I going to hear today? When we assemble and you come into a local congregation, there's usually particular equippers. Whether they be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, you're coming to be fed the word of God. That's the Father's intent. That you and I would be fed today with spiritual bread. Amen? So, I... I have to compare this in a certain way. Uh, there was a movie called Kate and Leopold. And this dude, Leopold, comes back out of the 18th century and is kind of like time warped into the New York and the now. <laughs> you know, and he has all this etiquette. <laughs> Just proper dude, you know. <laughs> and when uh, Meg Ryan was the uh, the gal with her brother living in this suite and he ends up getting connected there, and he comes down for breakfast, and when she gets up, he stands at the table. And he's got this formal, you know, like, royal outfit on, and she sits down, he sits, and when she gets up again, he stands. Because it was proper for a man to stand when a woman exited the table. Say etiquette. It was fascinating to me to watch that movie. I, I glean a lot of spiritual things out of, out of movies. Be discreet in what movies you watch. Amen? We need to be discreet, but it was one of the cutest things. It was a really interesting thing because what he brought to the table was ethics, character, and love that was pure. It really was. It was, it was really amazing. And the neat thing was we went to New York, uh, oh, maybe half a, six, half a dozen years ago, six years ago, maybe longer. But we went up, usually Christmas, we try to go up for a play and catch something up in New York, hang out for a day. And we're walking up the street, and here is Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is outside in the street, and, I mean, there is, he's surrounded by a herd of females. You know, they're like, oh, can I get your autograph? And um, we're walking up. Now, the X-Men had been out and different things, and we're walking up past him, and he catch, we catch eyes, and I'm looking at him, and I'm just smiling because I can't separate him from, from Leopold. You know, a whole different character than Wolverine. And I'm looking at him, and I looked, and he looks over, and we just caught eyes, and I said, hey, Leopold. <laughs> and he got the biggest grin on his face like, that's not at all what I'm advertising now. <laughs> and, uh, but it was funny to me how so many things it's not what we hear, but how we hear it and who we hear it from. So Leopold, Hugh Jackman heard Leopold, which maybe helped to bring him back down to a reminder of the character he played. 
I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything. But today, you've come to hear something, and do you want to hear what Ray Shannon has to say, or Carol Shannon, or Tim Shannon, or Elena Shannon, or whoever gets in the pulpit? Or do you want to hear what the Father has prepared for you? I seem to be in a season, and we're in a season, the leadership here, where the Holy Spirit is really refreshing the holy awe of God, the reality of it, the tangible connection with the presence of God, the responsibility of the functions we serve in. Everybody in here is called to be in Christian service. Every body that loves the Lord and is born again, every, every human is called to Christian service. They just don't know it. There's only way, one way for it to happen, and that's through the new birth. Amen? Amen? So a question is, I wrote it down this way, who am I going to hear today? And only you can have the resolve and make the choice and fix your faith in a certain way. Because what you're about to hear, you've heard before. But guess what? It's heaven's bread for today. God's bread for you and I today that we're going to delve into just momentarily has the power to produce fruit in our life and cause you and I to reap a harvest. That's good preaching, Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you going to hear the word today? And then the last question is, what will you do with the word you hear today? So let's look at the parable of the sower, shall we? In Mark chapter 4. Now, we've heard the parable of the sower. The different gospels have different approaches to it. I heard one preacher say this, too. There's some in here today that maybe you've even had the thought yourself that the Bible contradicts itself. The Bible does not contradict itself at all. There's no contradictions in the Bible. It's perfect. Now, I heard it said this way. You have to understand the four Gospels were written by four different individuals that travel with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen me back. Amen. Glory to God. I know you're going to go ballistic at the picnic. Woo! Glory to God. You have a ball. So let's have a ball here. Amen? So... I heard Dick Mills, a prophet of God, said this one time. He said, this is what goes on with the four Gospels. You have to see it this way because in one instance where it's the same reference that, G, that the writers are talking about, but one says a blind man was seen, got his sight, and another says two blind men got their sight. So are they contradictory? And he said this, no. He said, imagine an accident happening in the middle of an intersection. And you have four people at each corner looking on at that accident. Everybody sees something the other one didn't in a different way. Amen? All their information is accurate and truthful from their perspective. Amen? There's always a synergy and a, and a connecting of it all, but the enemy wants you and I to question the Word of God. And that's exactly what Satan did with Eve in the garden. That's exactly what the devil went for with Eve. He didn't know what she really believed until he pried her with a question that was true. A lot of people, amen, 
A lot of times the devil, what the devil will do, and he did it with Jesus, guys. Why wouldn't he do it, try to do it with us? He used the word against Jesus to tempt him. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread, beans, you're hungry. You have the authority and the power to do so. What do you say? It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. And the Bible says, and now, of course, this is <laughs> in the New Testament, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. So Jesus knew what he was here for. And this is part of the thing that you and I are still figuring out and learning and working out in our Christian experience. What am I here for? What are you here for? You're here for a divine purpose. Your feet and your life is going to touch lives that other people in here will never touch or other Christians may never touch. You are God's answer for a lost and dying world. Amen? Say responsibility. Uh Uh-oh, that means I need to be more responsible with who I am because of whose I am. I need to be more responsible with the knowledge I have of how to live out this Christian life, how to be a true witness of the Lord, how to communicate with others. Amen? Actions speak louder than words, guys. People aren't as interested about what you say as, as much as they are how you live and what you exemplify. Amen? What you model. Praise God. Mark chapter 4. It is the parable of the sower, but I needed to also bring this to the table today to remind you, and I have great verses for this. Peter said in the letters of Peter, he said, I'm going to remind you of some things that have already been revealed to you because repetition helps you get it and help you live it. Amen. This is an absolutely truthful statement. The parable of the sower is said by many theologians to be the greatest of all parables. That's an absolute fact. It is because this parable of the sower defines the faith and effort a disciple must exert to be fruitful and reap a harvest of the word of God in his or her life now. That's pretty impressive. Amen. So what we're about to read is one of the most if not the most important parable Jesus taught. So he, we need to catch it. He taught it so we can quote it. Amen. Verse one. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he, taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, listen, hear what I'm about to say. Listen, hear what I'm putting down. Amen. Behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed, that some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seed fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. 
And immediately it, the seed, sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Immediately it sprang up. Verse 6, but when the sun was up, the seed was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And the result, it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. Hallelujah. Thank God for good ground. I said, thank God for good ground. Now, the ground in our lives is our spirit. Our spirit's made alive when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Our spirit's made alive unto God, but then our ground, our spirit ground is, needs to be, have the word planted in it so that there'll be a harvest of the truths and realities of Christ in us to be manifested. And listen, I'm going to say the harvest of the word, you're like a farmer. You eat the first fruits of the harvest of the word of God and the truths of God, the promises of God in your life. But guess what? Your harvest and the harvest you reap is for others. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go on. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He starts off the whole thing with, listen. And then he closes this first part of the parable. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Think about that for a minute. Okay, Lord. Your love, God is love, Jesus. You are love. And you, the Father so loved the world that he sent you, and you agreed to this. You agreed to take our punishment in our place before the foundations of the world. So I know your love, and you're the Messiah, you're God the Son on this earth. You're the fulfillment of over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament to give credibility to you and who you are. And you have a message for me. You are speaking to me. He's speaking to the people of God, but he's speaking to you today and to me. He says, listen. I'm so glad if I could say it this way. Listen, I am so glad you gave your heart to me. I'm so glad you got born again. But my intent was not for you just to get born again to escape hell. My intent for you is to be fruitful, multiply, to replenish and subdue and have dominion. All those things, those things that God, his heart and intent for you and I to experience. Amen. To be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue and have dominion. All five of those things have an influence on society. And I want to say this, the quality that you and I, the value you and I put on the word of God and and wanting to be changed. See, you can read the word and know it and be able to quote it, but yet not change a bit. That to me is kind of scary. 
but we see it, in, amen, we see it all through the Old Testament. Jesus said, you can quote the scriptures, but your hearts are far from me. Amen? He said, oh, yeah, and, and he quoted the words of Isaiah. Well, let's go on. But when he was alone, verse 10, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive. Hearing they may hear and not understand. This seems like an oxymoron. Like, wait a minute, Lord, you're coming that. You're coming to give life and light to mankind. So how does this equate? How does this connect? What about the lost? You're saying you want the lost to see and yet not perceive? Huh? Come on. And hearing, the, the lost hearing, and yet, though they may hear, they would not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So many people would read that verse. Joshua, I want you to put up the New King James. Please. Many people would read these scriptures and think that, well, probably the predestination stuff is real. That God has predestined people to be saved and God has predestined people to be lost forever. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying this, that society has been so programmed by the prince of the power of the air until I have come on this earth, even the, my people who would gather in the temple to hear the Torah and the Pentateuch, those who would come to hear the truths of Scripture, right? That they would leave. They would be able to hear it, but yet, how do you comprehend it? Now, Jesus is saying something here, and Paul picks it up in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2 to a church that was planted by him by the demonstration of the spirit and power and by the good news of the gospel. Amen. He said this, he said, the non-spiritual man is incapable of understanding spiritual things. Well, who's non-spiritual? I know a lot of spiritual people. I've met spiritists. I've met psychics who were very spiritual. Amen. They're spiritual. It's just a different spirit. Y'all here. Come on. I can't hear you. Yeah, okay. So spiritual, what is, what is Paul talking about in this instance? People that have spiritual encounters of the wrong kind <laughs> or spiritual encounters of the right kind? Now, he, he's saying here, Jesus said in John 3, unless a man is born again, that person, uh, a person, doesn't have the ability to comprehend spiritual things. Hallelujah. You can uh, listen before I get, got saved. I would I've tried to read the Bible. It wasn't until senior year in Catholic school that they began to open up the Bible. So we began to look at it and some things that in Catholic high school. But I read it and it went. You know, <laughs> did not register on the radar. <laughs> Didn't change my life. Amen. I heard it, but it was like, um, I didn't put any value on it. Come on. But I'll tell you what, everything that was, that I heard resonated. Even to my, without my comprehension, 
even without my permission, because the word of God will accomplish the thing to which it's sent. It gets to working. I said the word gets to working. So let's go on. Hallelujah. Verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Josh, stay with me. Verse 13, bud. Look at this, guys. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? That's why theologians think that this parable and this teaching is one of the most important teachings you and I will ever sit under. So if I could say it this way, even being born again, if we don't get this parable, we're not going to be able to really grasp the other ones. Come on. Am I preaching the truth here? Hallelujah. Look at verse 14. Jesus says this. All right, guys, here it is. <laughs> the sower sows the word. The word of God. I'm sowing today. I happen to be in the position, graced to be in this position, blessed to be in this position. I certainly didn't deserve it, but it was his plan. So I need to make a choice. Amen. So I did. (laughs) The sower sows the word, and these are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear it. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So not only who who are you hearing the word from, how are you hearing that word today? What's Jesus saying? Now, regardless of what method the devil endeavors to take or to apply and to attack you and I with, the devil has a purpose. What's the purpose? To steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil's purpose. That's his purpose. That's what Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, if you get born again, what, what, is the, what, what are the thief's options? <sighs> I lost your soul. <sighs> this person got born again. <sighs> I lost their soul. <sighs> but what can I do now? I can endeavor to keep them as ignorant as possible. If I can steal the quality of Christian life from them, I'll succeed. If I can diminish and hinder Christians from coming into that sonship that God has planned. See, the devil knew he had a problem. He crucified the Lord of glory. And Paul said, if the devil knew the results of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, he never would have done it. Because not only did he have one Christ on the earth who preached for 40 days after he rose from the dead. Amen. Over 500 people see him. Beam me up, Lord. 500 witnesses. This isn't a crapshoot. This isn't, well, it's a nice story. This happened. 
Amen? You and I have to deal with Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what? The more we tell people the truth about Christ and the need to be born again, they, they, they have nothing to identify with. There's no reference point. And God has chosen the church to be a reference point for the reality of a living king and a risen savior. You and I are ambassadors of the most high God. Remember that last week? Next week, I was going to say, come to church dressed like an ambassador. Do some research. Find out how an ambassador dresses, male or female. And come next Sunday, August the 12th, dressed as an ambassador of the Most High God. I want to see how ambassadorship you are. Hallelujah. If you can't be it, well, you can be it. We can be all things. Amen? I just want to say, why don't we do that just for fun? All come next week sporting. Hallelujah. I know if it's hot, we'll turn the AC up or turn it down. Amen. Come next week dressed like an ambassador. Let's make a statement in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Put on your best next week. Let's do it. Let's just have fun. Hallelujah. Not legally, but let's, let's say something. Let's hear something. I am an ambassador. And you know what? I'm coming to church on August 12th. Dress like one. Hallelujah. Dress like one that society will esteem. So you and I, we don't, we, we like this casual Christianity. Okay, pasta, man. You know, glory to God. I mean, listen, I like it. I don't like the zoot suits and all that stuff. But I'm coming next week dressed like an ambassador. Like the world would understand. Say the world. And I'm going to do it on purpose. And I think, I think that there will be a download of revelation in everybody's heart and soul. If we look around the room and we see the ambassadors of the most high God dressed in that way, we're that regardless. Amen. You can have your sandals on, Danny. Amen. Flip-flops. And you're still an ambassador. But when you and I come in a faith and a unity, you know what? We're going to make a statement in the spirit. And by faith, I, I mean, I really feel this next week. I said it last week, and I still feel it. I believe just like what happened up here when we all gathered in the front and worshiped and sang that song. Repeated it. Amen? What happened up here? The anointing increased. You could see what was happening with all the beloved, the saints right up here. It was amazing. The anointing increased in the house. The presence, the reality of heaven was here. Amen? Hallelujah. I think something's going to happen in the spirit next week. I just, please, write it down. And listen, your very best is not going to be measured by the eyes of man. It's measured by the eyes of God. Not everybody in here has, you know, Joseph A. Banks or... It don't matter. Wear your very best. Even if it's jeans, wear your best jeans. Amen. If that's all you have, wear your best jeans. Where am I? What verse? All right. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So go. What's the devil's desire? Anything you hear preached or taught, he wants to steal it from you. He wants to eat it so that you don't get to digest it. He wants to eat it so you don't eat it. Amen? 
Now, there's a variety of ways that can occur, but let's keep going. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, when they hear the word, you're hearing it right now, right? Immediately receive it with gladness, like, oh, pastor, that is such good information. Wow, I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it that way before, that this parable is probably the most important parable that I understand. Just that, if, amen? Lord, or pastor, thank you for reminding me, as the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that Jesus said. Amen? Thank you for reminding me that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That the devil wants to keep that word that's being preached or taught. He wants to keep it. Keep me from eating it. I'll tell you what, that should get you like, that should raise up the little warrior on the inside of you. How dare him try to take the word from me? Come on. I don't know about you, but it gets my spiritual testosterone cooking. And they, the ones who re- hear the word and get all excited about it, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time, a short period of time. And afterwards, down the road, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. They hear it with gladness. You know, we're three dimensional beings. You are a spirit, you have a soul, will, intellect, and emotion, and mind, and you live in a nurse suit. Amen? We have a body. That's, this body gives us the ability to inhabit this planet. If we go to the moon, we need what? A spacesuit for this house. Amen? No spacesuit? Deado. <laughs> We're on earth, we have a earth suit. Praise God. So they receive it with gladness. Jesus is saying this. And for a while, all excited about it. When the word of faith came out with the prosperity message, particularly. It, it was so fresh. It was like, whoa, you mean God's intention for me is to, to prosper and to be in. John said it in John 3, John 2. He said, brethren, I pray that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And there's the condition. Say condition. I need my soul to prosper to be able to experience these other things. But when the word of faith came out and there was, there was some error in it, there has been error in every teaching that God tried to restore back to the body. And they call it the pendulum swing. People hear it and they go way out into an extreme with it rather than finding out the holy balance. Come on. I, God wants you to prosper. Hallelujah. And be in health. Glory to God as your soul prospers. So Jesus is saying, you hear that word on prosperity. And people began to get all excited about it. And they said, and they heard things like, hey, you can name it and claim it. And that was an abuse of what was truly taught. You know, the devil will try to, try to mess up the word that comes forth. He'll try to add to it. And the devil, what's he try to do? He tries to appeal to our flesh. 
You mean I can have whatever I claim? I can have a big mansion. I can have drive the biggest car. I can drive the be- live in the best house. Amen. I can, yeah. It appeals to the flesh. But then when the, chat, when the word doesn't come to pass, there's no harvest. Because of what? Error. And my flesh was more excited about the word than my spirit receiving that word with a purpose to have eternal results and eternal harvest. Amen? See, you're a, you can be a believer today or you can be a disciple. You hear that often here. But our choice in this house is for me and my house in Joshua 24, 15D. Joshua made a declaration after all the victories. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this is not an option. He was the patriarch of a, of a lineage and legacy. And folks, I'll tell you what, you take that stand as a patriarch or matriarch, and you decree the word of God and don't you move off it. And you'll see the results. You'll see the fruit of it. God, God's not a man that he should lie. So let's go on. Say hearing. Verse 18. Now this one is huge. There's four instances that Jesus talks about with those who hear the word. Verse 18, he says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And literally the inference here is that they receive the word. But then something else begins to attack that. And it's these things. The cares of this world... The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering into your soul through the different gates. Come on, of our learning gates. Amen. They begin to remember we talked about this. What's happening right now in the world? There are many voices wanting our attention. Media, family, friends, co-workers. Amen. They have a voice. People are carrying a message. Everything you say is a message in some kind of form. Amen. So the cares of this world, he said, the cares of this world are are by design to keep the word of God from being fruitful in your life. And if you and I, you or I, we we begin to get swept up and it's very natural. It's very human. Say it's very human. Tell your neighbor, this is very human. Come on. But I want to ask you a question. Are you human any longer? Or are you superhuman? <laughs> well, I know the Bible says that we're kings and priests, but I'm so used to being beat down. I'm just kind of a king in the beat down. Hallelujah. Can I rule and reign in my problems? And let me rule and reign with the cares of the world. <laughs> That's not what God wants for us. What's the second thing Jesus said? These are real. These are real things. Jesus isn't making fun of us. He's saying, hey, guys, this is the contest. 
how, how serious are you to become into the image of my son? That's my plan for you to be transformed from glory to glory into the very image of my son as he is. John said, guys, listen, as he is, so are we in the world. What kind of representation of Christ are we? Wow. Jesus said something in the book of Matthew. He said, you're going to be judged for every idle word you speak. Well, was that just, was he kidding? Huh. Lord, I know you're good and I know you're love, but that's a little, that's pretty tough. I'm going to be judged for every idle word I speak. And that means any, every word that you and I employ without faith. I'm standing on the word. I received it with joy. And now I haven't seen the fruit of it yet. I don't know. I don't really think this works. It's an idle word. And that idle word gives the devil the material he needs to work with. Say this. Words are material for either God to work with or the devil to work with. That's pretty good. I'm having fun today. I don't know if you... The deceitfulness of riches. Man, that's huge. I remember when I first heard that the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. And I heard the message of prosperity and everything, and I believe my heart was right, but my head certainly was in la-la land. I said, Lord, would you make me a billionaire? I figured, why, why go? I was going to go for trillionaire, but I figured, let's start with a billion. And I, I was just pondering on it, like, Lord, is that tr- can that happen? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you couldn't handle it. And I believe my heart was right. My motives were pure. And the Lord said, you couldn't handle it. Okay. How about a millionaire? You couldn't handle it. Okay. How about a thousandaire? (laughs) I was like Abraham. I stopped at 10. God allots to every one of us a sphere of influence. And this is where covetousness so desires to 
have a play in our thinking, our reasoning, and our planning. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 30, this man named Agur, A-G-U-R, he, he, he articulates things. And did you ever read the Bible and there's things in it that just blow your mind? In Proverbs 30, this man, Agur, the son of Jacob, his utterance, this man declared to Ithiel and Eucal. This is how he starts off his proverb. Surely I am more stupid than any man. That's not a high thought of yourself, is it? Jesus said, at least love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, guy. Come on, you. Agur, give yourself a little bit of credit. Amen? Love yourself a little, at least. He says, surely I am more stupid than any man. And he's putting it in perspective in regard to him and a creator. Verse 3, he says, I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. I'm so limited in my understanding and the knowledge of God. Verse 4 blows my mind. He asks a question hundreds of years before the Messiah comes on the scene. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Look at the questions he's asking. Here's the haymaker. What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? This guy's got a clue, a supernatural revelation from God Almighty that there is a father and there is a son. Come on. He goes to verse 5 and says, every word of God is pure. You and I need to believe that. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Hallelujah. Is your trust in him today? He got verse 6. He says, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Well, Eve did in the garden. She added to the words. That's what happened. That was the downfall. Verse 7, he says this, two things I request of you. And the addition from the writers is, deprive me not before I die. Number one, remove falsehood and lies far from me. See, when you and I decree the word of God and we get a truth and we say, Lord, I'm going to begin to meditate on this and decree it because I believe and see that it's in your, it's your desire that I would eat the fruit of this and pass it on to others. Amen? Keep deception, falsehood, and lies far from me. If I'm not experiencing the truth of the word of God and God's intent for my life, there's some things that begin to occur in, in our soul, in our emotions. Disappointment. Come on. Anybody in here ever been disappointed? The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's truth. 
How do we reconcile someone whose hope is deferred? We stand with him, with him or her. And by faith, we come into an agreement. And we love each other until that promise becomes a reality. Amen? Keep falsehood and large far, far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me neither poverty nor riches. How, are, how do we hear that? Jesus said that deceitfulness of riches can absolutely take us out of the game and the word of God will get choked in our life and we'll not see the reality of the harvest of it. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, I, wanna, I can look around this room and say, show me your W-2. Show me your W-2 forms of your increase for, the, you know, for 2017. One man's poverty could be another man's riches. Are you with me? One man's riches could be another man's poverty. You and I could say, man, if we, if we had a couple hundred G's in the bank, you know what I mean? Yo, by faith, huh? Amen? That ain't bad. It's not, a, it's not real out of, out of possibility. If we learn how to begin to steward and, and make a little become a little more and take the two littles and make them become multiplied. And then we take the four and make them become multiplied. And all of a sudden there's eight. And now they take the eight and get them multiplied. There's 16, at least doubled. Resources. You know, Jesus commends the sons of light for their use of finances. And he says, the church, my people, aren't as smart as the sons of, uh, sons of darkness. He said, the sons of this world are smarter than the sons of light. That's an indictment because we don't take the reality of, and I'm convinced of this, that our tenure, God's plan for you and I on our full existence on, on earth is totally about stewardship. Totally about stewardship. From the time we're born to the time we leave this planet, it's about stewardship. Hallelujah. What kind of stewards are we? First and foremost, what you and I need to do is hear the word. Let's finish this up so we can go have fun. Are you having fun now? I said, are you having fun now? <sighs> so these three things, before we get to the good ground, these things, stony ground. Amen. Or first of all, the wayside, stony ground. Care, and then the third part, sown among thorns. These are all telltales to you and I. We can read this and really begin. I, I'll tell you what a good disciple will do. You and I ought to get a pen and pencil out and start saying, okay. What seed has been in, fallen on the wayside in my life? What seed, let me write this down. What seed has fallen on stony ground and had shallow root in my life and I lost it? What seed was received? I really loved it and I believed it. But yet, the life of what I was believing has got choked out. I never saw the full fruit of it. Amen? 
We need to do that because we can change it. He gets to verse 20 and he says this, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who, Josh, you with me? Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Bear fruit. Some are going to produce 30 in their life. Some of the fruit in our lives will be 30-fold. Some of that fruit may be 60-fold. Some may be 100-fold without measure. I just want to be fruitful, guys. How about you? And I, I understand, and I assure everybody in here, you know that the prosperity and the blessing of God isn't just for you. It's for us to steward. It's for us to touch other lives. God wants you and I to be involved in humanity. And so many, so in our society today, I remember growing up, Neighbors communicated. And it wasn't like Tim Allen and the other guy, you just saw his eyes. You know, this thing. They were face to face. Neighbors communicated. When I was growing up as a kid, if I got out of line, my neighbors had permission to grab me by the ear and, or by the shirt and bring me home. Hey, your kid was acting up wrong. If you needed it, you got it. There was no child abuse. You needed a, a switch, you got the switch, and you got switched. Amen? You made a switch on the inside. I don't think I'll do that again. Because that act of foolishness brought a lot of pain. Amen? So those, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. Now, the, how's that going to happen in your life? Maybe it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it has to a degree. Now, Jesus is throwing out numbers, and Jesus never said anything without purpose. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. There's reasons for all those things and those increments. But remember Pastor Tim preached three weeks ago, and he talked about the parable of the talents, but he brought it into the perspective in context, it's about money and how they stewarded it. But he also said this. He said, but the principle of the parable of the talents is exerting effort in the things you hear. Putting action to the truths of Scripture. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm glad. Oh, where are we at? Eh, got a couple minutes left. Go to verse 23 with me. Josh, verse 23, please, and leave it up there. Jesus follows up with it with this, guys. And he's saying to you and I today, Jesus is, if anyone here at Good News has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen? Verse 24. Let's read this together, guys. Please read it out loud. Then he said to them, 
Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Now, what stands out in here to me when I'm reading the scripture, this is Jesus, the all-loving God, the one who proved to us his love. He said, hey, take heed. I don't know how to say this in a way that it, you feel. It. Did anybody here ever have eyeglass tests? And they do the glaucoma test, and they hit you in the eye with a poof. Huh? You know what I mean? They put this, that's what happens in the spirit. When you connect with the Lord and the Holy Ghost, it's like, you feel that impression in your spirit. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Take heed. When I read this, take heed. You know, how do you say it to, for people to like, yeah. I mean, think about it. That kind of a thing. What about the awe of God? Take heed. Moses. Think about Moses coming up there to see a bush that's burning and it ain't getting consumed. Something wrong, River City. You know, my man's up there and that bush is burning and then God speaks out of the bush. Moses. Come on. Put yourself in this place. Feet don't fail me now. I remember in the little rascals, it was like their feet turned totally around to go the other direction while they're looking this way. <laughs> they're taking off. <laughs> Take heed, church. Take heed. Because what you are hearing could change your life. Take heed. Uh, it's the only way I know how to say it. I need to get it. Take heed, Ray Shannon. My God. Don't be foolish. Don't play with this. This is life changing. Amen. He said to them, take heed what you hear with the same measure. Put that, leave that verse up, Joshua, please. Verse 24. With the same measure you use, and I put in parentheses, you use what you hear. In the same measure you use what you hear and what you're hearing. Amen? It will be measured to you and to you who hear. And I put, and use, say use. Say work. You use. It will be measured to you. Hallelujah. And to you who use more will be given. Next verse. Well, you know, I go to church. I've been going to church for years. I hear the word preached and taught. And you know, it's funny. A lot of times people leave the church and you could really be connect with the word preached and everything else. And you ask people outside, how was, what, how was the message today? Oh, it was good. What was it? Uh, it was good. 
It was really good. I, I, I felt the, you know, I, I got the impression. I felt the of the Holy Ghost on the inside. What was it about? Uh, it was good. Come on now. I'm preaching to the choir, ain't I? Verse 25. 25. Back one, Josh. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Take heed what you hear. Because the sacred truths that are contained in my word, the secrets, the mysteries, the realities, the now, and the future is contained in these words of life. Take heed what you hear. Because these words have the ability to change the course of your life and help you fulfill my desire for you. God wants you to be, listen, God wants you to be fruitful. Personally fruitful. He wants you personally to be fruitful. He wants you personally to multiply. He wants you personally. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. to replenish. Think about all this. This is all empowerment of God. Well, how does he empower you and I? By his word and the spirit. Come on. Fruitful, multiply, replenish. He wants you personally to have the authority and move in the authority of God to subdue. And then he said, I also want man personally and corporately, to have dominion in the earth. I think if we're all honest, we could all say, well, I've missed it here. I missed it there. I haven't seen the fruitfulness here. I haven't seen the fruitfulness there. And the word doesn't, it's not preached or taught to make you to be a bummer and to make us see where we failed. We, it's okay to see where we've missed it. Amen. Sin means to miss the mark. I missed it here. I missed it there. But, say but, I'm ready to take heed and use what I hear. So understand this. Every time you read personally or corporately, you sit under the preaching and teaching of the word of God. The devil has his cohorts and his demons, familiar spirits from your generational tree. You better learn how to discern in the spirit. Because the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he loses your soul, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your, your experience, your, the qualitative experience of being a Christian in the earth. And next, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy the destiny. You know, people say, well, why pay, pray for Donald Trump and his family? Pray for all those in authority. Timothy, Paul told Timothy that you may live a quiet and peaceable life. So in order for you and I to live a quiet, peaceable life, there's a responsibility on you and I, the church, and it's to pray. Glory to God. Believing we receive when we ask. Believing that the word is true, and when we release it, it's having an, a result in the spirit. Hallelujah. 
And you know what God does for you and I? He said, guess what? I'll equip you in church. I'll equip you personally in my word. But the first place for you to be fruitful, to replenish, to subdue, and have dominion and multiply is in your home. Hallelujah. He wants you and I to take the bloodline and the generational curses that have been over our family trees and stop them in Jesus' name and say, now that I'm born again, I'm going to get filled with the word of God. I'm going to get filled with just the light and life of God. And I'm going to change the course of my destiny. I'm going to change the course of my family tree. Hallelujah. You can do it. But it's a choice, and I'll tell you what. It's not only a choice, saints. It's a fight of faith. God says, and I'll tell you what. Every day you wake up and these shades come up. You should know, I am not my own today. I am the Lord's. My spirit is his. My mind is his. My soul is his, and my body is his. I gave up my rights to gain his. See, (laughs) there's a big battle going on. Jesus, you are Lord, you are Lord. You have risen from the dead and you are Lord. Is he? I think for many Christians, he's just Savior. When he's Lord, he's the boss. Heaven is not a democracy. It's a kingdom. And you and I must have allegiance to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Lord of life said this to you and I. Uh, let me tell you what take heed means, and we'll close. Take heed. I want you to feel the impact of the, the heart of Jesus to his church. Take heed, church. I'm, I'm laying my life down for you and for this. I... I put my glory aside to come down and make a way for you to become a child of the Father. Take heed. Heed means this. Look at. And it doesn't mean just gaze at. To look at intently. Are you with me? Look at that word intently when you read it. It means to behold. Hey, how many of you ever saw a sunset and you were like, whoa? Anybody ever do that? You went to a place where the sunsets are like incredible and you went out there on purpose and the sun set in the sky, the colors, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> Come on. Huh? That's the way we should have behold what the word is. It's like when you hear the word preached or taught, you should be, whoa. Wow, God, that's amazing. (laughs) Amen. Behold. Beware. What you hear. How does that apply to me as a Christian? Beware what you hear and what you give your ear to. Because if we give our ears to negativity and wrong words and idle words, We'll believe it, and our faith will carry out that way. It'll take us off track of the promise. The promise will not come to fruition. It will not be realized. The harvest of that truth will not be experienced in our life. We need to put a watch on our mouth. Amen? It also means this, to perceive what's being spoken. 
perceive it, to see it. Take heed, see what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying. See what I'm saying. He's also saying this. Well, once again, to look at intently. And we're not going to get there today, but Proverbs talks about hearing, but it's not just like, all right, I'm hearing, like lackadaisical. It means to bow the ear with the intent to receive and apply. Bowing our ears in such a way that, God, I'm going to put this to work right now. I'm going to receive that seed of what's being preached and taught. Because it's not a man. It's the Spirit of God that's inspiring our leaders to bring a message to us. Alan Vincent, amazing apostle of God in England, was teaching on tithes and offerings for nine months, he said. Nine months, Sundays, midweek, Sunday, midweek, Sunday, midweek, Sunday, midweek, nine months teaching on on giving, teaching on tithing, teaching on offerings, nine months, every meeting, boom, boom, boom. And he said after the ninth month, one of his elders came up and said, Pastor, when are you going to teach on something else? He said, when you get it. That's not the answer he wanted. And I can't change the subject. No, because it's a hard issue. Out of all the things in creation, Jesus could have said that would try to master our life. He said, you can't serve God and money. Many people are serving money because of the lack of it. Many people are serving money because of the abundance of it. And we saw with Agar, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me my portion that I can steward it in the love and fear of God and be a blessing wherever you send me. In my neighborhood, I can bless my family and not be a God robber. Yeah, glory to God. Amen. So take heed what you hear. Stand, please.